Welcome to the Huntley Baptist Church podcast. We hope that this message can be an encouragement to you today. Please feel free to contact us at huntleybaptist@extra.co.nz or visit us at huntleybaptist.com. Today we're going to look at Philippians 4, which is the last in the study. I had slides, but I've kind of I kind of gave up on them. Verses 14 to 20. I don't, I don't have any slides. I don't think. I sent them and then I kind of bailed on it. I was 50-50 on it anyway. Um, we'll see if that works out. <laughs> so, yeah, Philippians chapter 4, verses 14 to 20. Um, if you want to turn to that, I'm going to read it all out. And then we'll start going through it. I'll start at 15. Um, the other one comes in. Uh, now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. For either, even in Thessalonica, ye sent once and again unto my necessity, not because I desire a gift, but because I desire fruit that may abound to your account. But I have all and abound. I am full, having received from Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you, an odour of a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Now unto God and our Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Mm-hmm. So we're going to focus on the first couple of verses to start with, which is 15 and 16. And a bit of a backstory to all this, because that always fascinates me. Uh, if you didn't know, the Church of Philippi is at the top of Macedonia. I had that in one of my slides, so now you're just going to have to picture... Here's Macedonia. They're at the top. It's cool. Got it? <laughs> it's modern-day Greece. So when Paul's writing this letter to, to the Philippians, he's in prison for preaching. Of course, he's Paul. And most likely he's in Rome, um, which is about a 1,000 kilometers away. He could have been in Ephesus, which is around about that, that um, distance as well. So he's, he's quite far away. But Philippi appears to be like the special place for Paul. Some of his first European converts are from there. So you might remember Lydia, the lady who sold purple purple clothing, and um, and the slave girl who told fortunes for her her masters. So that was some of the first people that became Christians. But being a Christian in Philippi was really hard because the people there were like, the culture was like this little mini Roman stronghold away from Rome. Um, They were super nationalist, and they were really dedicated to the worship of Caesar. As a god, he, Caesar was their god. So when Christians started popping up saying, hey, actually, Jesus is the god, uh, Jesus is the one you should be worshipping, and all these other false gods, all these other gods are false, including Caesar, you can imagine a few of the locals might not have taken that too well. And another thing that, um, when it comes to giving, there's an important thing we need to know about Philippi, which is that uh, they were really poor church. But despite that, Paul talks about their generosity. So in verses 15 and 16 that you just read, they didn't just help him once, they actually helped him multiple times. And he, he even mentions them to other churches in other letters, um, like 2 Corinthians 8, 1 to 6. He says, Moreover, brethren, um, we do you to wit of the grace of God bestowed upon the churches of Macedonia, how that in a great trial of affliction the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty uh, their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality. 
For to their power I bear record, yea, and beyond their power they were willing of themselves. Praying us with much entreaty or like really dedicated, earnest prayer that we would receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. And this they did, not as we'd hoped, but first gave their own selves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God. And so much that we desired Titus that he had begun, so he would also finish in you the same grace also. So he's kind of encouraging them to be like this church. So even through all this persecution and poverty, they're not only actively giving, but they're actually giving amounts that are way above any, what anybody even anticipated, even Paul. And to top it all off, this messenger, this, this guy who bought all the gifts to Paul, um, Epaphroditus, he almost dies trying to get there. And Paul recognizes that. So the overall kind of theme for this message was kind of, that was brought to me was like, was giving, generous giving. And there's obviously a whole lot more that could be said about giving, especially in relation to this passage. But I felt led, to be honest, um, to focus a greater portion of time on the other side of giving. Um, does anyone have any ideas what that is? Receiving. receiving. <laughs> yeah, receiving. Who here struggles to receive things? I do. I'm talking gifts, compliments, constructive criticism. <laughs> I think a part of all of us likes to think that we've kind of got it all together and it's other people that need our help. But my question is, was that Paul's attitude? Um, what did he do when faced with receiving a generous gift? So number one that I thought he did when he received a generous gift was that he gave thanks to the Lord and he tells the Philippians that they've done well. Verses 10 and 14. Kind of an obvious thing to do, right? But let me ask, who here has ever given something to someone and not received any thanks for it? Did that encourage you to give again? Makes me think of all the times I forgot to say thank you. You see, Paul understood their circumstances. He knew this wasn't a rich church. So he greatly valued the gift that he had received, but not for the sake of the gift. He says that. Paul had already expressed that he found the secret of contentment. His contentment didn't rest in the things he had, but in the Lord who had him. But did this mean that he wrote them back saying, take it back, give it to someone else who needs it more than me, I don't need it? Of course he didn't. When someone gives to you in that fashion, with that reverence and care, you do right to receive it correctly. I'd hate to think of all the givers out there who were put off and discouraged because of the poor attitudes of the people that were on the receiving end of their generosity. You see, in verse 18, Paul called their gift an odour of a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable and well-pleasing to God. What a horrible thing it would have been to disregard such a holy act. But Paul says in 14 that they've done well to share with him in his afflictions or his difficulties. He says, you've done well. Secondly, when faced with this generous gift, Paul uses it. He doesn't let the gift go to waste. In verse 18 he says, I am full, having received of Epaphroditus the things that were sent from you. When I was preparing this, I remembered when I was about 16, I received a $50 Dick Smith, for you guys at rest in peace, Dick Smith, um, voucher from my sister for my birthday. And I found it about 18, 18 months or so, two years ago or so later in my drawer when I was moving out and it had expired. I felt so guilty. Also, my mum mentioned it. 
a few years later, it made me feel even more guilty. $50 was a lot of money, and especially to my sister. I mean, she was like 15 at the time, 14, 15, a lot of money for her. And I too have given things and afterwards wondered if the resources could have been better spent in other places. But the Lord knows. I believe he was doing a work in my heart when he asked me to give. And I've got to trust that he'll do a work in the heart of those that are receiving it. Just like the Philippians, they prayed earnestly that Paul would receive their gift and use it for the ministry of the saints. So we too must pray that God uses what we have for his glory. And was handed over to him. When I was kind of researching, I found this little excerpt from a sermon at Bethany Bible Church, and um, it puts it like this. Paul, the recipient of this wonderful gift from the Philippians, was a preacher of the gospel. A gift, the gift that the people of Philippi sent him was certainly given out of love and concern for him, and it certainly revived his need and relieved his need. Sorry, But more than that, it was given to the support and the spread of the kingdom of Jesus Christ. He saw it as a sacrifice rendered by them in the common cause of the spread of the kingdom of Jesus. Because of their faithful service, service to him, work could go on and others could hear about Jesus. So Paul acknowledges that he's in this partnership for the cause of the gospel. And, um, and we read earlier in Corinthians 2.8 that that's exactly what the Philippians wanted. They wanted to service the kingdom of God. So what an encouragement it must have been for them, for Paul to write back and say, that's exactly what your gift's been used for. You see, Paul wasn't too proud to receive help. I bet some would have been tempted to struggle on in an attempt to add a few more holy points to their spiritual resume. Paul could have done it. He, didn't, he, didn't, he could have gone on without their gift, but Paul was more than happy to share in the ministry with them and to encourage them. For him, it was all about the bigger picture. And thirdly, Paul had a desire for Jesus to reward the service of others. In verse 17, we read Paul saying, Not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound on your account. He gladly and humbly accepted their gifts to him because he was looking forward to the blessing that the Lord Jesus would pour out over them. He desired that the Philippians would make good use of their worldly possessions, that like the servant with ten talents, they may give account of them with joy. So I believe that Paul was helping to foster a genuine spirit of giving in the church of Philippi by the way he responded in this letter to them. I've got no doubt that his encouragement spurred this church on to give even further. How do we respond when others offer their services, their time, and their advice to us? In the beginning, I spoke about this course deal manager, um, this project manager who was offering to do all the free work on our house. A couple of weeks ago, he actually came to me and asked me if I could help him out. Now, this guy is a professed Christian. He's well-liked, and I actually have a lot of respect for him. So I was really keen to help. I said, yeah, yeah, I was busy, but I'm like, yep, I can do it. I looked over his contract for the bank. I went to other suppliers so I could see if I could get better prices for him. I was just stoked that he wanted me to be involved and that I could be a blessing to him. Basically, all the good things that he wanted to do for me, except I kept saying no. And I've, I've thought about that. I was like, what, what was it that held me back? Was it pride? Was it fear that he'd hold it over me? When we look back on Paul's story, we see that he had this miraculous transformation. 
and he embraced his new life in Christ with open arms. He had well and truly received the gift of salvation, and he would spend his life and pay for it with his life, telling others about Jesus. Do you remember that story about the servant who was forgiven that huge debt in Matthew 18? Did he appreciate the gift of freedom that he had received? No. No, he didn't. He might have appreciated it in the moment, but he went straight back to threatening another servant for money. He had not truly understood the significance of the gift he had received. We can receive something but not appreciate its value. We can then be ungrateful, let it go to waste, and miss out on the potential blessings that it contained. I've often struggled to accept gifts that God's given to me, and that can be over numerous things, financial gifts, gifts of health, whatever. And in the last four to six months, I've struggled with pretty intense feelings of hopelessness. Like nothing I could ever do was going to be good enough to make a difference. And I put here, you might be thinking, oh, he spoke about that similar thing a couple, uh, spoke about a similar thing a couple of sermons ago. And I'm saying, yep, well, welcome to my headspace. <laughs> that's, that's, that's the kind of things that, that whirl around. I ended up actually going to see a Christian counselor, my wife, Juliet advised me to go and I took that advice and he kind of stripped back and challenged again I've had it challenged before but he really challenged my view of salvation because we live in a world where the common saying is and in construction I hear this all the time nothing comes for free and someone generally adds well nothing good anyway we have this incredible gift of salvation this free gift of grace made possible through Jesus but for me it always kind of comes with these conditions and this little fine print, ones that I struggled to keep up with and struggled to keep. I'd always been kind of unable to grasp what a kind of gift this really was. When what I needed to do was sincerely thank God for it, because I needed it, use it, in other words, live it out, and then be expectant that God would use it for his kingdom. And 1 John 4.19 says, we love him because he first loved us. This could also be translated as, we give because he first gave to us. I believe that to become the kind of givers that the Philippians were, we must realize and accept the gifts that we've already received. Primarily one being salvation. The dictionary definition of received means widely accepted as authoritative or true. And we must know that and we must, I knew I stuffed this up, and we must know that we know that we know that we can stand on the wonderful promises like the one Paul writes to the Philippines in verse 19. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Verses like Matthew eighteen eleven, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. John 8.12, Then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. The thief had nails through both hands, so that he could not work, and a nail through each foot, so that he could not run errands for the Lord. He could not lift a hand or a foot towards his salvation, and yet Christ offered him the gift of God, and he took it. Christ threw a passport and took him into paradise. 
That's a quote from D.L. Moody. Wish I could have wrote it, but no. Um, <laughs> maybe there are some here today that have already received this gift, but the significance of it has worn off. Or maybe you've truly never received Jesus as your Lord and Saviour. I invite anybody and everybody to come to the front afterwards for a chat and maybe some prayer if that's the way it's supposed to go. To waste a good gift is a terrible shame. So please don't waste the greatest gift ever offered. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for all the many blessings you've bestowed upon us, especially the gift of your precious Son, Jesus. I ask for your forgiveness, Lord, for the times we've not been grateful, for the times we've let these gifts fall by the wayside. I ask that you help us, Lord, to realize the part that other people's service plays in our lives and to thank them and to encourage them and to partner with them to bring you glory and expand your kingdom. In the holy name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening.